Welcome to the Angel Investors Network podcast, the first national angel group founded online in 1997, dedicated to perpetuating free enterprise, capitalism, and supporting the American dream. In addition, Angel Investors Network is the organization behind the powerful Mastermind Investment Club, dedicated to harnessing the philosophy of a mastermind to increase success with their investment portfolio. Cliff Locks is a serial entrepreneur with three successful exits and an angel investor. On the podcast, Cliff brings together the most successful privately held companies in America to share with you how they grow their businesses, and you can too. And now, here's your host, Cliff Locks. I'd like to welcome Scott Hunsaker to the Angel Investors Network podcast. Scott is the CEO of Arden Group in St. Louis. Scott, you have an extensive bio. I was excited to learn about your new book you published earlier this year's Heroic Ownership, which is available on Amazon. I was reading your bio and you have led and owned eight businesses, including companies in banking, engineering, the computer industry. Plus, you've been involved in 16 successful company transitions. In every business owner's career, there comes a moment to retire, the moment to pass on decades worth of work, love, and efforts so your legacy can continue. It's a great opportunity for our listeners to understand what it takes to create a legacy for their business and their family. In your book, you address a very important question. When will I know? When will that moment come? Will my business be prepared to forge on without me? Or does that business success hinge solely on my presence to steer the ship? Scott, how'd you get started? And how did you get to the point in your career? Well, several of those companies were family businesses. So some of it was just lucky DNA. But kind of where, where I made my niche was transferring the institutional knowledge and business savvy for maybe those founding owners that are really good at what they do, but struggle at passing it on to the next generation. So one of those roles that I was able to play was harvest that institutional knowledge and transfer it to the next team so they have the ability to carry that legacy forward and, and make it a reality. So when you were talking about when did I know you know, it was always my plan to do that with the topic of the book, which was a company called Councilman Hunsaker, which was an engineering firm. And in engineering space, I really needed not only functional owners, but I needed actual owners to help execute that vision and carry that vision forward. So it was always my plan. And I had shared that with the team and we had grown that process. And I went from 100% ownership down to 57% ownership over time by inviting partners into the group. Mm -hmm. And then they came to me and they said, Scott, we're ready if you are. Now it was about five years ahead of my plan schedule, but I went ahead and considered it and ended up doing it simply because if I feel I didn't take advantage of that opportunity, I would miss it. And for me, it really gelled um, in the book. I talked a little bit about, you know, uh, you can solve anything on a boat dock at two in the morning. And, and that's kind of where it all came together for me. I was sharing it with my peers in the boating world. And in the boating world, you got doctors, lawyers, accountants, attorneys, so you can solve any problem. And there were two pieces of wisdom that my friends gave me that really um, cemented the decision. One was a guy by the name of Ed Williams. And Ed said, Scott, it's been my opinion, there's no better time to sell a company than when somebody wants to buy it. And, you know, if you think about it, that's actually pretty insightful. Think about the number of people that were planning to sell their company in 2008, 2009, and are still trying to get it back to that point. So as an owner, 
sometimes we have to be ready for opportunity instead of trying to align it perfectly with our agenda and our timing. We can't predict the future. Very, very good. Uh, I've had the privilege of selling three companies and I understand that bell curve where you can get maximized value for a company based on EBITDA. And, uh, and when you get past that point in time, and 2008 was a rough period of time. I agree with you completely. And some folks, you know, sort of waited, they weren't ready. And I think you bring forth a really important message that it's not hard to get ready, but you got to prepare. You know, let's continue. In other words, what are some of the most common mistakes you see clients making? I would, I would submit that it's confusing the urgent with the important. I think entrepreneurs feel that they have found the fountain of youth and that um, the calendar doesn't apply to them. So I think us as entrepreneurs, we're always very optimistic about tomorrow that we'll always have time. And 66% of companies close their doors when the current leadership team leaves. And the reason that number, I think, is so high isn't because we don't know how to do it. It's because we don't make it a priority and we don't get around to it. So I think the biggest barrier to being successful here is making it a priority and taking action. You know, I agree with you completely. I, the founding, you know, CEO at that point is really got a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders and it could be just, you know, their family, let's suggest, uh, Hopefully these many of the companies that will be listening to the podcast, they have a board and the board's fiduciary responsibilities also to make sure there is plans in place for the continuity of the organization when that CEO makes a decision to depart or the company is you know, sold. You know, you talked about the shareholders and no doubt there's a fiduciary responsibility there. But I would like to suggest it's even further than that. When I speak in front of business groups today, I ask them to rank what's most important to them when they look back on their leadership career that will give them pride and satisfaction for a job well done. And I said, you know, typically this breaks down into four categories. One is money. Mm -hmm. and, you know, usually the knee jerk reaction is yes, money is important because that's how we, that's the ruler we use in making a good business decision. But then I ask, how important is legacy? How important is taking care of the employees? How important is taking care of mon uh, uh, customers? And, and what I find, particularly for that founding owner, is that once they get their basic needs taken care of in their family and know they're not gonna run out of money and those types of things, very often their number one priority is the legacy employees, because this is their baby that, they, that they've helped create on, on that journey. So um, some of it is uh, coming up with that unique definition of success that's right for them. And so as a business owner, it's a tremendous privilege, but also it's a, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility to be honorable to those that impact us or we impact. Think about the number of lives this decision is going to impact. Excellent point. You know, that leads me to my next question, which is really insightful, is how do our listeners identify the best people for leadership roles? You know, you're looking at that continuity. You're going to put a lot of time and effort into it, which is really important to define what success looks like. And I think you bring forth a real strong message. You know, so we've got to make leaders out of our team members at this point, or we're going to have to bring somebody in from the outside. But how do we look within our organization at this point? Do we have the leadership? You know, um, maybe you're better than me, but in my role as the CEO, on my best day, I was probably right at finding the right person for the right seat on the bus about 60% of the time. Okay. Um, you know, just hiring people is tough. So if we're only right at hiring people 60% of the time, what makes us think we're going to be any better at picking the next owner? 
So instead of picking the next owner, what if we created a leadership team bench mm -hmm. and then use some type of ruler to be able to grade that leadership team bench and identify those that have the will and the ability to lead? The, the business tool that we used was strategic planning. You know, and in our organization, we kind of said, you know, let's if we're gonna if we're gonna be ourselves as leaders, we expect us to walk the walk and talk the talk. So we came up with an accountability protocol of identifying those that had the will and ability to lead. And uh, you know, it was kind of a three strikes and you're out thing. The first time you had to buy lunch for the strategic planning team, the second time for the whole company, the third time you weren't invited back. Now we had three people not make it. Now that first person that didn't make it was what I'll call our walking Wikipedia. This is the guy that had been there forever and had all the institutional knowledge. And after six months, he came to me and he said, Scott, I just want to design. Can I go back to my cubicle and design? Well, sure. But you see, I felt that if I didn't give him the opportunity to leave, he would have gotten his nose bent on a joint and been very unhappy. The second person was somebody that was that ready, aim, 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 ready, aim, ready, aim, and never could make a decision. And so we got him in the right seat. And the third person was the person I'll call the mouth. This is somebody that had an answer for everything and never did anything. And then they were voted off the team after a year and left the company in two years. Not because we asked them to leave, because they recognized that they didn't meet the expectations of their peers. Now, on the flip side, we had two candidates. One had their MBA and who's on paper you thought was going to be the next CEO. But the other individual continually demonstrated their will and ability to lead through uh, the strategic planning process. So when it came to select the next leader, this individual became that leader. Not, not the other candidates didn't leave because they were all upset. They recognized that he was the natural leader too. Excellent. So my question to your listeners would be, how are you identifying those that have the will and the ability to lead in your organizations, and how are you nurturing and developing them to be able to support the future of your vision and your company? This is really a great conversation. In other words, when you look at this, and you got to start the leadership process and the training, and but is there a time that's best to bring this forth? You know, some folks have you know seasonal businesses; others are just at full throttle throughout the year. Um, Somebody's got to dedicate some time and resources to be able to put that program in place. Bring an outside individual in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you, you bring up a couple different points there. One is when to do it. I would say today. Okay. Um, simply because this is just really good business practice and it's going to make your company better and it's going to make it worth more to a third party if you have a team in place to be able to carry this in either through another investing group or uh, amongst themselves. So this is uh, just a really, really sound uh, business principles. So let's look at it this way. You know, we have to transfer knowledge at this point and the wisdom that you obtained as a founder. Uh, we also look at the success and sustainability in the business legacy. It's a process. So, all right, so your suggestion is they should start it immediately. Uh, I think you came up with, you know, a very, very, positive message, you know, to our listeners that you can put together strategic meetings within the organization and look at the resources and the strengths of individual team members to see how they will fit in and grow to be able to fulfill that role. I think that's a really good message, you know, so what else, in other words, let's talk about your fine skills. You know, you, you've had you know, the ability to go into, let's say, 16 different organizations and help with that transition that takes place. You know, 
Tell me about the positive of bringing somebody in with your skill set into a conversation um, and really allow this to flourish. So you've got years of expertise in doing this. You know, the founder may not have had a transition at this point in his career. So we know he needs resources. I mean, reading your book is probably a real good place to start. But you probably have some skills that on a one-to-one that could be very, very positive. Tell me about those skills that can help this thing, you know, the transition and the education go smoother. So I, I actually had somebody just recently say, Scott, if I read your book, do I need you? <laughs> very so good. That, that was kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, there isn't a lot of secret here. The secret sauce is getting it done. So what I do is I accelerate the learning curve. I get that client 80% of the way there. So it has critical mass to get over the finish line. They can take it the last 20% and make it their own and make it fit and be right for them. I don't believe you can subcontract out the leadership and succession of your organization. You have to do it yourself, but someone can help you with the heavy lifting and accelerate the learning curve so you're not going down a lot of empty-ended rabbit holes um, and wasting time. So basically what a firm like Arden is doing is giving them the information they need to make a knowledgeable decision. So how do you do it? We've broken it down into five steps and buckets. And that first step is authentic conversations. How are you passing along the gut that you have to successfully lead the organization? How are you giving that next leadership team the ability to look two or three years down the road so they can position the company and prepare the company for the future? The second step is identifying those that have the will and ability to lead. We already talked about that. Third step is institutional knowledge. Where do we store most of our business information? I would submit we store it in our heads. And so where's the worst place to store business information in our heads? You know, my father, when I was growing up, he said, Scott, don't write anything down. Somebody might take it. Do any of us suffer from that kind of idea? We don't want to share it because we're worried about somebody using it against us. Unfortunately, the reality is where we need to be. General McChrystal said, knowledge is not power sharing knowledge is power. So we got to get all that institutional knowledge out of our heads into our organization so our future leaders have the information they need to make a knowledgeable decision. The fourth bucket is innovation instead of just holding on to it. So how are we teaching our leadership team to manage change? I would submit we don't need leaders if nothing changes. We can just keep showing up and and the same company will be able to be successful day in and day out until what? until something changes. So we have to teach the leadership team about how to sharpen the saw of being an effective leader and keeping the company on the cutting edge of what's going forward. And now if we've gone through those four steps, I think there's a very high likelihood that leadership team is gonna have the confidence to be able to bet on themselves to continue to lead that organization into the future. So the fifth step is real ownership. And that's how do we create a common vocabulary about what the definition of being an owner is. You know, it's not a level playing field with the current owner and the candidate group. Usually the current owner knows a lot more. And what we want to do is build a trust and an understanding of what it means to be an owner. And if that's not handled well, a lot of times what happens is those future owners feel like they're being taken advantage of. And A, may not be willing to go forward, but B, may not feel comfortable staying in the organization if they don't trust you. So how are you going to walk that conversation through where you can develop a strong working relationship and create that bond to be able to transfer the future of your organization to the next leadership team? 
Words of wisdom, very positive. The idea of getting everybody aligned with the team and being an honest discussion that provides clarity to where you fit in at this point in time and looking at the long-term goals of team members. That's a really important conversation. Look at bringing in you know, somebody like yourself with a, as an expert as a real positive opportunity to accelerate the learning curve plus the implementation. Because you know, day-to-day, you know, a lot of CEOs, you know, say you're on the Inc. 500 list, you've got this rapid growth that's taking place. But what you bring forth is a really strong message that needs to get addressed, including the board wants it done. Because I'm on the board, and I see you're on the board for multiple companies also. We understand the strength of the organization is built with the team. We know that at some point in time, we're going to have an exit of some C-level executives, and we need that to be seamless at this point. So you bring a very positive message you know, forward. Let me ask you a question. I, you know, I asked this to, of all my guests, you know, looking back, what would you do differently in your career? You know, I'm sure there would be a number of tactical decisions um, that I would do different just for a different outcome. But pro- and I have no regrets um, uh, on this last transaction. Um, and the only thing that I probably would have done different is I did this last transaction in 2012. And there were a lot of changes going on in tax law and going on in the medical provider space and how we provide medical insurance to our families and stuff like that. And I was, I was fairly, I would say, honorable in really putting the company first. Um, and I hired uh, consultants to help me with tax implications as well as the medical types of things that really only affected me and my family. Um, and I put the company first. And I think in hindsight, I may not have been quite as generous. Um, but yeah, I don't know that for sure. But I, I think it comes back to the clear message here is make knowledgeable decisions. And at this point in time, it was really hard to get good information to make a knowledgeable decision because we didn't know what was happening in our medical world. And we don't know today. So you have to be prepared for the unknown and uh, give yourself the capacity to adapt to what becomes reality. Very important. I think that was a very good message. The idea of being able to adapt. Really don't know. We may have to make a pivot in the business, you know, depending on what's going on. We know we're in a global community at this point in time and the decisions we make. We're looking for growth, be here in the United States, you know, it could be in our neighboring countries in North America or definitely overseas growth area. So I want to thank you for joining me, Scott. It's appreciated. I want to remind you that Scott's book, Heroic Ownership, is available on Amazon. You can buy his book and ensure your business has a sustainable legacy, which is really important. This is Cliff Locks. You can find me on LinkedIn to contact me. Thank you for listening. You've reached the end of another episode of Angel Investors Network podcast. Connect with us on angelnetwork.com. We've been serving the needs of high net worth individuals and entrepreneurs since 1997. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.